0: Hi, everybody. My name's Kobe,
1: And my name is Senna Ross.
0: And this is White Noise. Uh, so the reason why uh, Senna and I are sitting down to do this podcast is... Um, We've had a lot of conversations recently at the Oracle about um, diversity and inclusi- inclusivity uh, initiatives and programs. And one of the big ones that we have been talking about, uh, Senna and I, has been what does this mean for journalists of color uh, in white spaces predominantly. Yeah. And so I've been very, very excited to get to sit down with Senna. So before we begin, I want to do a little introduction of who we are. Senna, do you want to go ahead first?
1: Yeah. Hi, I'm Senna. I am a design editor at the Oracle. I am a senior and I grew up in Japan. My mom is Japanese. My dad is white. Um he's from Minnesota. And all of my life I kinda of grew up being the half of Japanese and American. Mm. Um yeah and this is my fourth year living in America. Nice. How about you?
0: Um well my name is Kobe. <laughs> um Hello. Hi. Both of my parents are white with an asterisk. Um my father is um Hispanic but never really talked about that. But I myself am a very visual visually person of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm adopted. I'm Nicaraguan and um I I I being a mixed race, multiracial person mm-hmm. who grew up in ostensibly a white space and white family, um, there's a lot of those feelings that we've talked about before of of not quite being one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is particularly interesting in spaces that are predominantly white, which um, we all know journalism really is. Yeah,
1: it's it's being biracial on top of everything else is just a lot of feelings. I guess.
0: Yeah, because for me, it's always been this weird dance of, so there are times where I feel like I can speak to a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of um, white experience, quote mm-hmm. unquote, or like I can relate to a lot of things that are considered white in a space, mm-hmm. specifically when it comes to journalism. But I know that my colleagues don't think of me that way, mm-hmm. and they don't view me that way. Interesting. Yeah.
1: And I also feel like for me, I don't view myself Asian enough or white enough. Um. Which is like weird because I know other people might think this differently. So I get what you're saying about
0: interesting. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like you feel like having grown up in Japan? Do you feel like people in Japan have always viewed you as being no, you're white. You're not. You're not. Yeah. You're not Asian.
1: Yeah, and it's because oh, my name is Ross. I get that. <laughs> like I don't have a Japanese name, and it's also like I'm clearly if you're in America, a lot of people won't like say oh you're a foreigner because you don't you look different because everyone looks different here right sure but in in japan it's very rare that you're not asian like my mm. dad and i myself is probably the only white people in our city mm. so it's just like it's so visually like people can tell from afar that oh i'm not fully japanese mm. and and then i come here to america and like am I'm, I'm socializing with my asian friends and then i feel like this whole different feeling of oh i'm I'm really, not, can I be here? Um, but then when I'm with white friends, I'm like, I can't relate to you. I'm sorry. I don't know anything. There's
0: but, too much cultural difference. Yeah. Even it, if you have like a shared similar experience, there's too much of a cultural lens issue.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just like, I feel like I'm always like, oh, I don't relate to you, but I don't also relate to you. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, kind of this third world kid, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like you, you come from a very specific cultural background but you're raised or experience one that is not fully your own. And so you have to develop this kind of mix in between somewhere.
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's really hard because you have to find exactly the same kind of person with you. Mm, Yeah. Like the same. And it's, it's rare, you know, there's not a lot of us. (laughs) No, (laughs) I can imagine that's kind of a rare
0: niche being half Japanese and half white. Mm. It's a very, very rare niche.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's, it's nice to seek those comforts, but also, Mm. I know I have to get out and talk about it with other people.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's become so the reason why I asked Senna Mm -hmm. to do this project and we're working on it together as this kind of special edition of (laughs) a podcast audio piece for the Oracle is because we had a very similar experience Mm -hmm. where uh, we went to a journalism conference.
1: Which is really fun. It was really great. The, mm-hmm. the
0: whole conference was incredible. But we both went to an affinity group, different affinity groups. I went to the Latino affinity group and then went to the Asian affinity mm-hmm. group. And while we were there, we both had this kind of, I, I would, for me, I don't know how you describe it, but for me, it was kind of this radicalizing moment mm. of, I was like, oh my gosh, i I didn't realize how little I was doing in the way of like, acknowledging myself as a latino person working in journalism Mm -hmm. in a predominantly white space Mm,
1: yeah it's it's the same for me for me i was just like oh like i have to like for me being a journalist it's i'm pretty new in the oracle Yeah. yeah same but for me it was like yeah i'm a journalist i'm neutral but then i realized in that space i was like no i i have to i have to tell people and tell myself that i am a person of color And I need to express that through my journalism, which was interesting and scary. Yeah. And it was just like, I remember coming back from that. We're both like, so we just got a crazy experience. No, it was. (laughs) and,
0: And I think the crazy thing about it was, is that, you know, up until that moment, I really hadn't put much thought into how you tell stories about folks who come from our backgrounds, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was, and I don't know, and I felt so guilty afterwards, mm-hmm, right? Yeah, I felt like this did. deep guilt of like, I can't believe that I have been, because the thing is, is that there've been a lot of instances, and this happens in every workspace. I don't, think, I don't think it's indicative of journalism or the Oracle, but I know there's a lot of spaces where you experience microaggressions and mm-hmm. you experience bias mm-hmm. and you kind of, either just kind of deal with it or you call it out. And I feel like I've been able to call it out here and there, but even though I've been doing that, even though I consider myself pretty good at being that person, right? Making good trouble. There was still that like fear that I had where I was like, I didn't even consider Mm -hmm. how this can impact how we do coverage about people who aren't white.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you said guilty because Mm. I definitely, when I, after that, so in our Infinity group, we were like, so who's going to cover? Oh, what well, we talked about was Asian hate crimes. Right. And they were like, you're the Asian person and it sucks, but you have to do the coverage. And mm-hmm. my first instinct was, why? Right. We're yeah. not the ones like... Don't pigeonhole me. Yeah, yeah like we're not the ca- cause of the hate. The hate is coming from white people and other people. And why do we have to suffer and carry that to make it as a news? Mm. So that was my first instinct. But then I... I realized that it is responsible for us to advocate yeah. for other people to advocate. So I definitely feel that guiltiness. No, 100%. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and that was the thing for me is that it was talking about how... So in our group, we talked about the idea of um, what kind of coverage you're doing. Because in the Latino community, there's often the want to do coverage mm-hmm. that... um or, or when you're covering the Latino community, oftentimes it'll only ever feature times where latinas are the victims of a crime yeah. or the perpetrators of a crime mm-hmm. and there's never the talk of cultural like excellence or like joy or yeah. like anything within it and i think it really hit me because when we we've previously talked about this w- during black history month there was a huge push we said in our first meeting yeah we were like we really should do a lot of work to to focus in on black students this month mm-hmm. i mean we should do it all the time but mm-hmm. we really should do something to feature black voices and there was a print issue during february that featured no black people it wasn't even a black person quoted there wasn't even a black person yeah like any like it wasn't even like like disregard the want to like showcase black joy or mm-hmm. like black excellence or anything other than like Sad, like hate crimes and sadness yeah, yeah, and we didn't have anything like there was there was no coverage in one of the issues mm-hmm. and so that really stuck with me and then hearing that further pushed me to go oh my gosh like it's not only about how many times you're covering people it's about in the way in which you're covering people mm-hmm. and and how you bring your lens to that and how it can be so damaging at worst damaging mm-hmm. at best just you're forgetting and excluding a whole group of people
1: and mm-hmm, mm-hmm reporting joy and good things as often i think is the hard part about being a person of color in Mm. journalism because we again like you said we tend to cover only the sad parts and negative issues and to that it's like it's really hard but it's also for non-person of color joy stuff like institutional happy things or personal happy things it's so normal yet when it becomes something that's person of color happiness there's like a really weird hype that it should be normal.
0: Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, uh, I, no, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean by that because there's like that thing of like, oh, they're like we have to send somebody to the cultural festival and we yes. have to do the thing. And it's like this like sense of urgency that mm-hmm. we need to tell this specific story. And I, although I appreciate like, oh yeah, like I really appreciate that you're doing a piece about Day of the Dead. I really mm-hmm. appreciate that you're doing a piece about Lunar New Year. It's great. Mm-hmm. There is a little part of me that's like, but why are you so gung-ho about it? Yeah. Like, why are you so invested in this? Because it, it it feels like, and this is one of the things we're, we also are going to talk about. It feels like there's that, that, that feeling of, and this is going to sound so weird, but like that forced mm-hmm. element to diversity. Mm-hmm. There's that like forced question of,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think this is, I personally think this is a really important event to have covered and be put into our paper. However... Mm. I think, uh, I think it's important to put in the paper. But the question always comes for me: Are we doing it because it's important, or are we doing it because we think it looks good?
1: Yeah. Mm, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's 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 a really hard topic, especially because I believe in the power of journalism and how it impacts everyone. Yeah, I think it's really hard to give like a spotlight on um, different cultures, but also. Forcing to give that spotlight, like um, when we were talking about layout, I remember this very vividly. Like, oh, we have to give them a spot. We have to give them a spot, and it's not something that, like, oh, I don't know how to say this, <laughs> but you know, it's really hard. It's like the the lining of forcing a spotlight and actually appreciating and trying to give that a storytelling is a very difficult, but it shouldn't be a difficult line right to make
0: yeah no i think that it's really really important and that's the thing for me is that and we had a we had a really long discussion with internally with um dr david everett who's the uh, vice president of diversity and inclusive excellence on Mm -hmm. campus and he said something that was so profound i I don't think you were there at this meeting but he Mm -hmm. did say something incredibly profound which was um if you're a community member you don't have to invite people into your community you're part of the community. Mm. And it was that thing of like, you're right. Like, we're looking at it so wrong of, oh, we have to do coverage of these people. And we mm-hmm. have to do this because we're inviting people in. And there's been a lot of instances where we've been in meetings where people have said, we should reach out to these people and invite them in. We should invite somebody mm. to come write something. It's like, why invite some? Like, what, the language itself, are, mm-hmm. I feel like, has... I don't, it feels like we're bringing people in because we we have all of this power we want to like yeah. showcase when really what it should be is how do we better suit and better serve members of the community that we are also a part of?
1: Yes, that's definitely what it is.
0: And I think that, and the other hard part too that I've always had with, with this like idea of like forced diversity is that that's a question that no white person will ever ask themselves, mm. right? Like it'll be that thing of like, Like this, I think it bleeds into this area of, am I sitting on this editorial board because of that? Oh. Have you ever had that thought?
1: Of looking. Of
0: like you look at the people you're working with and you go, Mm. huh.
1: Am I the diversity? Am I the diversity? (laughs) Yes. Because, I mean, um, you're in a major white community, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. It's, it's you know. But I think it's something that, like, when you're a woman, you're also feeling this. But mm. am I the minority? Am I the number yeah. that a company is going to use it to publicize? Uh. And it's, it's like, it's really hard to, it, it, it goes to women self-doubting. Mm. It goes to person of color self-doubting their job.
0: Yeah, and that weird section for for somebody like you, who's yeah. a woman of color. I mean,
1: and then yeah, definitely, it's it's become like a scary thing of self doubt and mm-hmm. insecurity. So I try not to think about it. I'm always <laughs> Oops, at the sorry. Time <laughs> no, no, I'm always like, Haha, I, I still got it. But there are nights that I'm like, but what if I'm not good enough? Yeah, and, and I, that is a scary thought. And I think
0: that's a question. And here, and I think the most the really interesting thing about that is, and this is something that I was thinking about a lot, is that. Specifically for women of color, I, I would I would extend it to most people of color, but I, I think that specifically for women mm-hmm. of color, it's really hard to be in a situation where you feel like you're represented or that you have the voice and the power to do something. Mm. Because I think in general for people of color, regardless of how many men are in the room, Mm -hmm. I will always be the person of color. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So even if there's that power dynamic of, okay, there's more men. Obviously, I recognize I'm a very masculine presenting person. I'm I'm a masculine presence in a space. But I will always be a person of color. Yeah. And there's that that inherent bias there, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's – I mean, it's terrible for me, but I think it's – I can't imagine the weight that that must feel for a woman of color in a space who goes – No matter how many women are on my editorial team or how many femme-presenting people are in a space Mm -hmm. or how many people of color I'm around, I still have to deal with those biases.
1: Yeah, the biases. And I I guess I get a little bit defensive about it just because Mm -hmm. of where my culture is from. I'm from a culture that sexism is, (sighs) you know, Mm -hmm. it's not even a concept at this point because...
0: It's just so in It's so
1: in vague. Like the patriarchy in Japan is crazy. But it's yeah, and it's you know it's really hard to kind of like support that in a way that's yeah, it's in a way that's I think it's really hard for people to support that in a way that's like, oh, I'm helping you, then that's a weird line now. yeah, like oh I'll I'll, I'll help you, you know you don't you don't know anything. and especially as a Asian woman, oh my God, the amount of people babying me and, you know, like trying to make me seem younger. Uh, that's a weird, I'm going to a different Interesting. topic. But no, 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 you
0: can go there because I have I have a, I, 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 please yeah. continue.
1: I think there's like, you know, every race has this issue, but it's, for me, this is my experience. So this mm-hmm. is what I know is Asian women tend to get very um, looked down upon just because it we do look younger, I guess. And they are like awful s- situational, like internet things that- Right, be- stereotypes. Stereotypes and- that make us- assume that you can baby right us and it's it's really hard you know i'm trying mm. to like explain myself that no i've been living off myself since i was 14 right like i know my sh- stuff
0: yeah but you put together
1: yeah and then people are like oh but you know you're you're so you're from so japan you're so tiny i'm like <laughs> <"Yeah."> <laughs>
0: no and and like you said like i think a lot of people of color it, it's different for like mm-hmm. the thing that i was going to say is that um is that uh, people always age me? Mm. People make me older, mm, okay. so I can face the consequences of an older person. Mm. And not to say that, like, I'm an good adult, I'm a full grown adult. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I can accept my consequences. But there have been so many times where I see my colleagues mm. who are my same age, mm. who happen to also be white, regardless of gender, mm-hmm. who are given so much more leeway. Mm. And like when I when they make a mistake, it's like. Oh, you're learning. It's a learning environment. It's understandable. When I make a mistake, it's, a it's big... like I killed a dog. Oh my like God. it's like I like it's like the biggest like I have committed the greatest crime known mm-hmm. to man. <laughs> and it's hard because and maybe you can relate with this is mm-hmm. that when those things happen to you, when you feel like I'm being infantilized or mm-hmm. I'm being aged up because of the way I look or because I'm in a space. I, there's been so many times where people have been like, Well you can just tell us. Like you can talk about it. Like you can just and it's like uh, I, mean... I mean like no, I can't. Like like I get like the I, I really appreciate mm-hmm. you wanting to create a space mm-hmm. where you feel like I can come and talk mm-hmm. to you about that. But regardless of whatever other identity you may hold,
1: mm-hmm.
0: institutions have been built in this country to work against me. Yeah. And journalism is one of the prime examples of that Mm. so regardless how comfortable i may feel with you interpersonally there's this weird power dynamic that i don't think i can get over
1: i and it's like the same thing that uh, i experience a lot which is if that person even if it's like a weird compliment let's say um i get a lot of oh you're so good at japanese i'm like oh thanks for that person (laughs) you're
0: really good at the language you speak
1: yeah my mother tongue and everyone's like oh my god you're so good but they don't understand that for that person that was a good compliment that was one time but for me that's the third time this year this day yeah. and it's the 800th time this year and it's and it gets tiring for us yeah. to like say like oh i'm actually blah blah and it's like or where are you from like what are you where are yeah. you from questions yeah. for them that's one time curiosity that they just had right. in the moment and they thought they have like a really good conversation but what they don't understand is for us that's like every single day a repeated question that I have to go through every single time I new to meet, new, meet a new person.
0: A friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, I had a conversation with her once, and we were talking about how, um, that those questions are so offensive. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think the big part of it, and the way she explained it was, she said something along the lines of, you know, that's such a core part. She's like core part of my identity is my cultural and ethnic background Mm -hmm. that is such an important part to me and when I get close enough with you you'll be aware that that's who I am you'll mm-hmm. be aware that I'm this and this and this mm-hmm. like that's that's the relationship that we can build mm, yeah if I meet you you don't you aren't just owed that you know what I mean yeah Do you, are you like that is something that you can get to and understand eventually mm-hmm. that is not just something I'm willing to give away freely
1: yeah it's it's something that's like more personal than other people think yeah. it's not something like oh yeah I'm from uh Minneapolis right it's, no it's not that it's
0: there's a there's a lens mm-hmm. and a way that you view the world based on your experiences and your culture and mm-hmm. your ethnic background that I don't think a lot of my white American colleagues understand.
1: Mm, yeah, and I I guess I can say that to the same thing as my Japanese friends, just because. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, definitely with white. It be well, what is the same as my friends from Japan and people who are white here are the. standard they're the predominant standard they're the
0: homogenous the 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 majority
1: yeah so a lot of the time it's hard for them to understand that that's not good to ask maybe
0: (laughs) yeah no it can that that it can be an incredibly offensive thing Mm -hmm. and so i think that my biggest uh, with these conversations about like like figuring out like where is your place Mm in it is that often i feel like for me the place that i've finally gotten to within in predominantly white spaces in journalism is i don't like when people make me the diversity person mm. but when i can when i can make that decision for myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's where i find the most power is when i when i'm the person who's able to go actually we shouldn't say that or actually we should cover this story because it's important to certain communities. It's like you said, at first when you hear, you have to be the one covering Asian news. Mm -hmm. You have to be the one covering Latino news. You have to be the one pushing for these stories and pushing for better coverage. And at first you have that thing of like, whoa, like I don't want that to be my job. (laughs) But then you come to the realization that your cultural lens, like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. your cultural lens is so important in those conversations that you telling those stories is going to get other reporters to take interest and be invested in telling those stories in the ways that they should be told
1: yes that yeah and it's like it's really hard because again like most of like what what i talked about the asian hate crimes is not our responsibility why would i have to do that but i realize now that it's so important for us to have that lens of i'm telling as a person that i'm telling is more impactful than other people telling. And Mm -hmm. I know that now. So that's why, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. And I think that that, and I really, and I think the other thing too, is that I've found in journalism, that's really hard that I think there needs to be a bigger push for is we need to be better about taking care Mm. of folks that we send into the field to cover these sort of things, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like sending an Asian American or Asian person to Mm -hmm. go and cover a story about Asian American hate crimes, while they may have a lot of really good insight and be mm-hmm. able to connect with the community and tell, but, and tell that story the way it should be told, mm-hmm. there needs to be support for that person. Mm-hmm. You can't just send them into an intense situation like that and then yeah. go, all right, well, thank you for the piece. Yeah. And we turn it in. And I think that that, and this is not just an oracle issue. I think this is an issue in journalism at mm-hmm. large that there is no fail-safe for looking after your journalists mm-hmm. of color when they have to cover these sort of things.
1: It's, it's a lot of stress. And it's it sometimes they hit too close to home you know yeah so i definitely agreed to have that care after and like i said like oh well, like you said am i the number a lot of the times in journalism and i'm saying like big news articles mm. i heard like a lot of people would see the name and say oh is this like from the actual people mm. you know what i mean like last name basis oh is this from an asian person's article mm. it must be true or there's a hispanic name oh. so it must be true and that's also really bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, that it's makes like something weird. that you probably unconsciously do. Yeah. But the amount of like pressure that's going to be on them. Yeah.
0: To like represent an entire identity mm-hmm. when you're just trying to tell a story that you yeah. may have more insight on, but you can't speak for every. Like, yeah. No. Oh, that's. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. I haven't even really thought of. Yeah. Mm, Which yeah, is kind of like
1: scary, I guess, for a lot of reporters to put their names out there.
0: So you're the design editor, right? Like you're yes. the chief of design. You're the one, other than um, the editor in chief, that gets to say here are here's the final look
1: of yeah. everything, right? Like I got go organizing it.
0: that. Uh, my position here is obviously I do all the audio work, but I also do um, I assign photographers mm-hmm. and illustrators. Do you ever feel like when there are situations where we look at an issue and go, "There is not a single person of color here," or we look at certain illustrations and go, "That could be read wrong." Do you feel like there's some cop like after it's gone to print, I know there's been a number of times where I've gone, I have to take ownership and part of this at least.
1: I yeah, that is like a constant fear. Like I also do illustrations yeah. and most of the time what I'm thinking is, okay, what color should I color yeah. them? This and it's like a stupid thing, but it's it's something that it's really interesting in design world that's happening. Like a lot of major companies like Apple Maybe not Apple, but Facebook and Google will use non-human, like non-skin tone colors. Yeah, there's like a purple. Yeah, like a purple like colors. A pink, yeah. This is like the 2022, 2021 trend that you... And it's like, it's inclusive. It's nice. And I do think about that a lot because I want everyone to feel inclusive. And um, like photos, selection, I wouldn't... This is like a weird line that I personally take a lot of pride in in thinking about this but i wouldn't go and say oh let's choose this photo because this has two or more race right no yeah that's weird yeah no that's that see that's that weird thing (laughs) of like this looks good for us (laughs) rather than
0: like this tells the best story Mm -hmm. and i think the big i think the big thing that i've had like concern the hardest part that i've had with is that um there's two things as the as the multimedia person who assigns photographers and things like that Mm -hmm. is one i think sometimes i'll be quite honest photos that i've taken too it's, um, there's that thing of a lot of photographers just have never learned to take photos of people who are not white. Mm. Like they haven't learned how their camera settings work and they yeah. haven't learned what lighting is best and they haven't learned, you know, things like that to capture most fully somebody's image mm-hmm. in black and white or in color. Mm. And um, there's that fear for me always is like, and not, no, I shouldn't say fear, but there's that thing of like, how can we better train and better photographers to know these things Mm -hmm. so that the best photos can be people of color Mm -hmm. right so that that the best photo of oh well this one's blurry so we're not going to use it it's Mm -hmm. like well it's blurry because you didn't know how to put the settings for a black Mm. person you know what i mean yeah so there's that Mm -hmm. and then the other thing is and we've talked about this a bunch and i get it toning uh, toning and color matching Mm -hmm. is like difficult in print Mm -hmm. but there's that thing of like sometimes our prints turn out really bad i know when it prints on paper it Mm -hmm. turns out really bad and for the longest time that was our excuse of like oh we need to get a new printer Mm -hmm. and david everett once again i'll give props to dr david everett he said uh, he said i personally think that it's a little weird that the reason why you're changing printers is because you feel like it's been printing weird Mm -hmm. when it should be when the reason or the question you should be asking is how can we better represent the people we're taking photos of
1: Mm, okay yeah The
0: reasoning was like, for him, the reasoning was a little off. And I was like, oh, yeah, like that's... mm."
1: Like editing and the point of editing. And before that, the taking. Yeah, it's just like, it's really difficult to... For me, I'm trying to like find... Like, okay, we changed a new printer. Right. And and then the newspaper turns out kind of crappy. Yeah, some pictures look a little dark, dark. Some illustrations
0: turn out weird. Yeah
1: but the next week now i have i have all of it written down and mm. see okay so these photos didn't turn out well so this so. is so this is how we can fix it yeah and it's it's a if, for the first few times i feel like it's a learning process but sure. it's definitely something that it, it needs to be done yeah because if it's too dark and some people aren't like represented the right way that's an issue right. but then uh, again like if you're taking a photo that's too like whitewashed yeah that's another issue.
0: And that was the thing is that, so uh, you got hired as the design editor this semester, right? Like yes. Just So that was the thing is like in the fall, there were so many, and I think that's why we really need a, needed a, a designer. I'm really happy that it's you. Oh, thank is you, that thank you. In the fall, like there was a bunch of times where we would have this happen mm-hmm. and the thing would be like, oh, it's always the printer. And it's like, okay. And I, I guess a, a part of it's on me for not being able to go, okay, but like, why aren't we fixing it then, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it didn't become a conversation of, like you said, going, it didn't work, I have a note now, I know what to do if we have a dark photo that features mm-hmm. this kind of da-da-da-da-da, now I know to go in and change this setting mm-hmm. and I can lighten this up and like that'll help. That's one, that was something that I guess, I, I and I own up to it that I wasn't somebody to catch it and say it as somebody mm-hmm. whose job is to do this for photography. But there was a lot of moments where they were just like, oh, it's the printer And I was like, really? Like, and looking back, I'm kind of like, I I have to, I'm a little embarrassed of myself to Mm. not be able to go, why didn't we say something? Why don't we Mm. like, why didn't we put in the time with the printer we had to go, okay, how do we lighten this? Mm -hmm. How do Mm -hmm. we, how do we take photos better this way? How Mm -hmm. do we change settings so that we don't whitewash it incredibly?
1: Right. Yeah. And now, now I'm definitely gonna be more aware of this because every time I'm small things I realize, like mm-hmm. the rhetorical having like dark illustrations not coming out right. And I was right. like, oh bummer. But in a real issue, I feel like I need to be more careful about that. And yeah. I need to like Yeah, it's not it's not just something that I can finish up and saying, oh bummer. It's yeah. something that if if I was the person who's been interviewed and if I look crappy I'll I would be, be so angry. I would be so sad. I
0: would be really sad. Yeah. I'd be, I like this is like this is how you are representing me. Yeah. And I know we've talked about th- we talked about this in a in a staff editorial recently, mm-hmm. but it, this has been an issue that the oracles had for a number of years mm-hmm. is that we often print dark or we don't know how to color match correctly and certain illustrations turn out a lot more racist than we've intended.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we have to own up to that. And I and I think we're doing I, I don't want this is not a This is, I guess what I'm trying to say here is we're acknowledging that we've made mistakes and we're working diligently to not only apologize, but atone for that, Mm -hmm. right? Like we are looking, how can we do better moving Mm -hmm. forward?
1: It's it's something that if people feel like there's something that needs to be said, we're welcome to take that opinion. But we're also, we want to internalizingly know what we're doing wrong and what we're doing right. Yeah. Mm.
0: And I think that that's the really hopeful message out of all of this is that people like Senna mm-hmm. and people like, I, I wouldn't say well, myself, I'll go ahead and say myself, <laughs> uh, that we're willing to to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And we have, and the great thing is we have white allies and colleagues who mm-hmm. are willing to say, hey, you have this idea for a podcast where you're going to talk about the struggles that, that journalists of color go through. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and make it happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I, I think that that's the thing that we're really fortunate is that we have A paper that's willing to say when we've made a mistake Mm -hmm. and own up to it and apologize and also say, here's how we're going to do better in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's it. I think it might be rare in journalism to have something like that.
1: And this is like my first this is my first like public like um, news publication that I'm working at. And I think I'm really fortunate because I grew up in such a isolated situation Mm. back home that some racial concept was really hard for me to wrap around for first and i'm learning and a lot of the people that taught me was through my white allies Mm. and like my white friends so i'm really appreciating that that was like my situation here in the oracle and now i think because i'm a senior and i'm old i feel like it's my turn to have that places and have that Um, environment to other people too.
0: It's a lovely, I love that thought of Mm -hmm. that, all of the struggle that I've had and Mm -hmm. that maybe, I'm sure you can relate to this, all the struggle that I've had in classroom, Mm -hmm. in organizations, in journalism, Mm -hmm. in my own house Mm -hmm. has been because I'm working for a better future and better opportunities Mm -hmm. and opening those doors and windows Mm -hmm. for students of color who come after me to say, I want to stick my flag and I'm going to, and I'm going to do this. And, and a lot of that is owed to people like Sana and like the presidents of multicultural organizations and our white allies and white colleagues here who mm-hmm. have given us platforms like this yeah. to make projects like this happen so that we can open those doors for people who come after us.
1: There are so many things that for me, having this conversation makes me feel like I can do more. Yeah, I have a semester. I- next yeah so yeah. i'm gonna put more i'm gonna put more here i'm gonna leave some marks I'm gonna be like eh, this is what i did <laughs> down those doors yeah
0: as uh as the late journalists would say make good trouble
1: yes i like that make good trouble
0: great <laughs> is there anything else you want to say uh, i think we can close this by um i i have a question that i'd like to ask but before we do that um is there anything else you'd like to say um
1: not really App- <sighs> apply to oracle yeah of Next course, year? that's really fun.
0: Here's my 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 question that I have for you. Yeah. That I think we should both answer.
1: Yeah.
0: Is if you had a piece of advice for um, an incoming mm. student of color,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Asian, Latino, Black, Middle Eastern, um, Indigenous, uh, or another marginalized identity mm-hmm. under the umbrella of being a person of color. Yes. If you had one piece of advice. Mm-hmm for an incoming freshman of color mm-hmm. what would that piece of advice be
1: hmm. um i guess it's for me it's oh, well, this is really hard but for me what i've experienced in the last four years was it's okay to kind of doubt your identity mm. which is a really weird thing but a lot of the times when you're fresh out of um, high school, you're just like, this is my identity. This is who I am. Mm. And um, I'm going to come to college. Yeah. And I, I think I had that. When I was coming to college, I was like, I am so Japanese. I am so blah, blah. And I came here. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm just crushed everything. Mm. Nothing was real to me. And I'm and, you know, i still having these identity crises every single day. But what does help me is knowing that it's okay to like have that crisis and have that conversation with other people, and to actually be open to learn, like mm-hmm. what you've learned, what what I've learned, my whole life being Japanese, isn't going to be prominent for my identity. I can open up to other things, and I feel like that kind of pride always is a little hard, especially for a person of color or, um, like you know minorities, women, who experience that like systematic oppression and other people telling like you have to be this you have to be this is Mm. so engraved to your identity Mm. so yeah it's okay to self-doubt is a good lesson that i learned because then i was able to break the walls that i had and know who i really am you know yeah so
0: and i think the thing too with that is that that The the thing that really stuck with me was the being willing to learn because I've learned so – I've become much more aware of my identity as a multiracial person because I've had conversations mm-hmm. like this with you and with yeah, other yeah. people who have that identity. Um, yeah. Uh, the piece of advice I would give yeah. is if you're an incoming person of color to campus, know that there are people out there like you yeah and that are having the same struggle and the same questions of identity that you are mm-hmm. and that even if you are this kind of third world kid who doesn't <laughs> quite fit into yeah. one box or the other there are two people quite literally hosting a podcast right now all about that struggle yeah. so there are people out there find those people and recognize that there is strength in numbers and that you can create whatever you want to don't be don't be just because you don't see the most prominent people that look like you in a position Mm -hmm. know that that can still be you yes know that you can be the editor-in-chief know that you can be the president of husk know that you can um, be the editor-in-chief of untold or run the fulcrum or be huge in whatever sport you play or Mm -hmm. be huge in intramurals or you you know what i mean
1: that's a really good advice because um you know i thought i was gonna find I thought I was going to find my comfort zone in an Asian community, in a white Mm -hmm. community. And I'm finding right now, for my identity, I'm finding it with a Latino. (laughs) Right? (laughs) No, that's exactly it. So it's like, it's what you said about like looks. It's not Mm. what you have on your like name tag. Yeah. It's about like talking about it and then seeing, oh, wait, you have that? I have that, that kind of moment.
0: One of my favorite memories that I have that really helped me awaken into being okay to accept (laughs) whatever except your cultural identity and background is i grew up in hawaii Mm -hmm. and um there's a huge asian population there Mm -hmm. in hawaii and there were a lot of moments where sen and i will make a reference and we'll get it yes and we'll both understand the reference we make (laughs) and and those just like there's just a lot of those little moments where i've realized that you know like you said i thought i was going to try to find my identity in one given space
1: Mm
0: -hmm. or try to get support from another given space but like you said i'm now learning so much more about my identity and feeling so much more um whole Mm -hmm. and being able to question and accept just the different parts and things that i've picked up along the way with somebody who (laughs) i i I, who doesn't look like me and who has but who has had so many similar experiences
1: i know it's kind of crazy well, Thanks. thank you so much, Senna. Is there you anything so else you want to say? No, thank you so much for having me. This was great.
0: This was awesome. I really appreciated it. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, we don't know if this will be a one-off sort of situation. Well, who knows? Who Maybe Sena will continue it next semester. But for now, that has been White Noise with um, myself, Kobe Loy, and Senna Ross. Thank you all for listening. And in case we don't catch you next... Oh, you're going to say something?
1: I was going to say thank you too.
0: Awesome. <laughs> all right. I think that's where we can end. White Noise was produced and edited by myself, Jacob Kobe aloy and of course was hosted by myself and Senna Ross, the design editor for The Oracle. Editorial advising was done by our editor-in-chief, Andrea Lindner. If you liked everything that we had to say today, please be sure to pick up a copy of The Oracle to see Senna's handiwork as the design chief. And if you liked to hear my voice, please be sure to listen to After Deadline, the Oracle's flagship podcast. White Noise was produced for the Hamlin Oracle. To see more stories of ours, visit our website, hamlinoracle.com.